So, uh, hello everyone, I'm, I'm at Lee Abbey, uh, where we've been holding the Mid-Faith Crisis Week, and uh, I'm here with Joe Davis. Hello. And I just have one uh, question for you. Sure. What are you doing in my bedroom? Sorry about that. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode. I don't know what number this will be because I'm ahead of the it's curve. It's almost irrelevant, isn't it? Now at <laughs> this point, and with your introductions, but welcome to a very special podcast. I think yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, look, I think it'll be two hundred and two. Yeah, and we're here recording the intro at Lee Abbey, where we've been. Uh, yeah. A special time of teaching and heresy. Exactly. Which is our gift to the church. Yeah, it is. And that an innuendo. Yeah. It would be difficult to work out which we'd be burnt for first, to be honest. Yeah, it? it definitely would. Would it be the heresy or, or the, the innuendo? So. The inappropriate humour. Uh, well, we've had a great week, haven't we? Yeah, really it's good. been really just wonderful people in a, in a wonderful place. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good. But let's 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 cut to the chase. Yes, because we so we have a special, well, double uh, episode, pod, double episode uh, of, of podcasts. Yeah, um, featuring Dave Steele, who is a mutual friend of ours, yeah. and he's the leader of One Church yeah. in Brighton. Tell me why, because this was kind of your mm. idea, I think, uh, you know, initially, or you suggested yeah. this. So tell me why yeah. you suggested this. What's what's this about? Well. Um, what we've noticed time and time again, people writing into the podcast, um, is that we're getting lots of um, emails from leaders who are saying that we're, we're really struggling with these issues. We're starting to think differently to how we used to think on certain key issues. We're not where the church is at. If the church knew where, uh, what I thought about this thing, I'd probably be axed as the minister. And, and it's just like, how do you hold together the tension for example, if you're told to preach on something and to preach it a certain way, but you no longer believe that particular way of thinking about a passage, mm. what what happens when your interpretation of Bible differs from the people who are paying your salary? Uh, so there's there's lots of tensions that are similar to everyone else, but I think leaders sometimes encounter specific issues that can be really, really difficult and, um, and compound the loneliness that we feel in mid-faith crisis. Mm. So... Dave Steele, I say, is is minister of one church in Brighton, and he really has led, you know, from the front and been very honest and very vulnerable with this church and said, this is the journey I'm going on. And he has led his church and held it together as he has journeyed through helping them think through issues of human sexuality and narratives of God and, you know, what the church is even here for and all that. And he's he's got some quite radical views uh, we have interviewed him months before on the podcast but we thought wouldn't it be great to do some episodes that were specifically aimed of leaders that hopefully are still interesting for everyone else uh, with a view to well we'll see where it goes after we've released these so maybe no one will write in maybe no, nothing will come of it but we in our minds are perhaps the possibility of gathering leaders together at some point in the future yeah i think it's fair to say we'd we'd thought about these as a leaders special kind of thing yes. to some extent they are but i very much took the role as the lay person because i'm you know as i often say the god has saved the church in britain from me being any form of leadership it's role. very true you know <laughs> uh, what a what a great miracle that is and um so i was there really to ask questions but i i found it really mm. useful and i think it's very good for all of us mm. who 
are part of a church to mm. understand this this journey and understand what are the, some of the challenges that people mm. face in in leadership. So anyway, this is Dave Steele. Uh, I have to say we did record it in a surprisingly old Baptist church. We did. Um, With noisy everything. Yeah, where there was a theatre <laughs> production going on and noisy lots of stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's it's not perhaps the most acoustically perfect uh, interview. Which uh, is unusual for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we are. So it, it is what it is, but we hope you enjoy it. Mm. Um, well, this is a, a momentous occasion. It is. Uh, because I have bothered to make a... A journey to the south coast, <laughs> not so much to be with Joe, uh, of course, to be a friend of the podcast, Dave Steele from One Church Brighton, and we're here because we're going to talk about uh, leading a church um, in mid-faith crisis, as it were, leading a church when there's different views and opinions and um, uh, different ideas, and uh, when even when you think differently as a leader to people in your congregation. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we're kind of doing this because we get a lot of letters, we get emails from people who, who are in this situation. Um, and we just thought it was a really important uh, topic. So this will probably be quite a different podcast in many respects because it might be longer, uh, might be, I don't know, it might be, it's more specific. A bit more interesting. Might be a bit more interesting. <laughs> it might have a bit more actual content uh, than normal. Um, but it'll be focused really on leadership on what this means for being a church leader. So, um, you know, hopefully it'll still be interesting to a lot of people, but um, if it isn't, I don't care. So anyway, um, I have two people sitting opposite me, uh, and one of them has dealt very successfully, I think, with uh, conflict and uh, different ideas in the church, uh, and the other is Joe Davis. Hello. <laughs> so look, give us a, Dave. Welcome to, again hey, to Mid Faith hey. Crisis podcast. Give us a little bit of background here um, about One Church, about your experience here. Yeah, so um, I lead a church called One Church. We're sitting in one of the buildings here in the middle of Brighton. I came here 13 years ago, and it was a, a little Baptist church that was really struggling. I think they were down to about uh, 16, 17 members here. Oh, probably all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. the same number. Probably not, because not many of them are left with us. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, Again, probably. <laughs> Um, uh, and it was—it's been fun from day one. I've got to be honest. You know, it was—it's it's had some tricky moments, but it's been a fun time. We've seen the church grow in terms of its influence. Um, we're—we're we're far from being a big church. We're not—we're not mega in any way, but I think we spread ourselves quite broadly across the city in terms of projects that we do, um, the spaces that we are very generous with. We have all kinds of activities that happen in both of our buildings. We have projects training people to get into work. We are big. We're big in the coffee scene. I can't you quite remember how that happened. Have but that's, to be in Brighton. Yeah, thought, yeah, you do. Yeah, and it was an obvious thing to do, particularly when uh, at one point youth unemployment was a big issue in Brighton when when I first moved here. And so we started a training thing to get young people into jobs, and it's literally placed hundreds of young people in coffee shops in Brighton. So within the Brighton kind of coffee scene, uh, Pro Bristers, as it's called, is really well known. We've got. Uh, a growing project out in the Sussex, Sussex countryside for sort of therapeutic growing, and then we have a farmers market that's running as we sit here. Just amazing. Um, so just yeah. lots of fun, lots of fun things, mm. and, and not very traditionally churchy stuff. I no. mean, I don't know many other churches that have a farm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, just sort of, uh, just by instinct, really, that felt the way to go. I yeah. think that there was something about coming here and there being only sixteen members. Um, that it was like, well, 
let's roll the dice, give, yeah. try mm. some things out. And the first thing was to be generous with our buildings. And I just, you know, used to come into this office every mm. Monday morning and think, what on earth am I doing? I left a busy church in London and I just used mm. to trail around <laughs> Brighton. I'd ask to meet with people. Generally, when you ask to meet, they say, yeah. So I'd met with the leader of the council. I met with Caroline Lucas. I met with, so I had coffee and I basically just said, oh, what can we, you know, how do yeah. we serve you best? What can we do in the city? And that ended up with lots of leads to, oh, well, we do need space for, you know, these yeah. various things. And we were just generous with that. And that's put us on the map um, and made made good partnerships. And again, generally, I think church leaders potentially go, well, partnership is with the other churches. We just didn't really sort of do that from day one. Uh, I've got good, you know, pretty good relationship with other churches, but we went to local businesses. We went to the council and went there first, really, to say, how do we, uh, how do we really help the city? Um, great. And that was a good, a good period. Really interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, so um, let's turn to the other pastor, <laughs> a complete and utter pastor. As I like Thank you. <laughs> um, Joe, I, you're here actually on this podcast, really, for your experience as a pastor. Yes. So do you want to sort of just uh, remind us of <laughs> perhaps not perhaps not in all its gory detail, but just you know because you spent a lot of time as a pastor, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, yeah, one way or another. More more officially uh, when I moved down here in two thousand and six, and that was to Worthing, not to Brighton, but uh, you know, kind of sister town, really. Yeah. And um, more like aunt, but yeah, great a bit aunt. older, great, great aunt. <laughs> <laughs> Less so now, we're getting the overflow from Brighton, it's great, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, so so I came to work uh, with a friend as his associate minister, uh, and um, a very you're just a very good time, um, uh, in the church, uh, time a season of real growth, albeit you know, not. <laughs> And by that, I'm referring to the sort of classic uh, church growth models of like going from 150 to 500 people, you know, like yeah. that, that's the whole holy grail. That's mm. what the church is here to do. Yeah. Steal people from other churches to come to your church. Yeah, that's yeah, what it's yeah. all about. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a good season. It, it didn't finish well for me because my theology was morphing and changing as it continues mm. to do, as I assume it always will. Mm. And um, and particularly over the issue of same sex stuff, um, that became a very defining moment in the church. And because of a pastoral issue that had developed in the church as well, um, you, it was it was obvious that uh, other leaders in that church were particularly uncomfortable with my views on mm. that. And um, you know, D Day came. When I was told I had to tell people to go coke to a church in Brighton, right. not your one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I refused to do that. Right. I couldn't. I just couldn't in yes. any consciousness yeah. do that. So um, obviously, I had to go. <laughs> yes. So it didn't end well. It was very painful. Uh, it, it hurt a lot, and uh, that was a very tough time. But it's good to reflect on, reflect on the things I did well and the things I did badly um, in that time. But also to reflect on, on 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 that is such a massive issue. I mean, there's many yeah, issues yeah. the church are facing. That human sexuality, I'm sure we'll talk about later, is a is a massive issue. And you know, can we navigate that without dividing? Yes. Can, is there a way we can exist with you know different views on that? So I guess that comes to the point of this whole. Yeah, exactly. Thing. So that's really why yeah. we're here to, to yeah. discuss that that issue uh, in in its sort of general terms. Um, the point of this conversation is is to talk about how do you lead 
when you're in a different place to your congregation or some of your congregation? Mm. Mm. Um, or how do you deal with those issues of disunity? How do you prepare a sermon or lead a prayer meeting when you've got real questions about bits of the Bible or about prayer? So let's, let's think about, firstly, some of those issues then. We're not going to get into the rights and wrongs of the particular issues. Sure. I think it's better yeah. just to identify them because we talk about them on the podcast and because actually I think most church leaders, they're painfully aware of the issues mm, yeah, that are sure, for sure. causing problems. So, um, you know, same-sex relationships would be perhaps the, the, yeah. the biggest yeah. one at the moment, certainly in the UK church, yeah. is causing these mm. dissonances. But what other kind of issues are there? Yeah, I mean, everything's interconnected, but I think the issues around are, are the way that we use Scripture and understand yes. Scripture, I think issues around salvation and heaven and hell, um, mm. they're the issues that, that I hear about. And, and they're weirdly kind of all interconnected. These aren't kind of sub-things. They're, they're about your journey spiritually and are growing through a phase where you realise that because you don't think that anymore, you're able to think this yes. thing. So, you know issues around universalism um, and and church structure and uh, uncomfortable, you know, in, in a more egalitarian kind of society, issues around hierarchy and the way that you're viewed and the way that you're supposed to behave. And, uh, that, they're kind of issues. And, and I, in a church like ours, you know, for all of its um, shortcomings, people do come to me and sort of say, you know, can I chat? Generally, it's about same-sex marriage. Um, but they're church leaders who are very good church leaders, committed to what they're doing. But they they rarely have ever come to say, I, you know, I disagree with like the stance that one church has taken on this, for instance. What they do tend to say is, I personally, that's where I'm at. Yeah. But I could never say that publicly. No. And that kind of dissonance was is something that I think we yeah. just need to talk about. Um, that what is it for a leader to question these things? Um, personally where there's this crippling feeling of I could never discuss this publicly yeah. that's um, quite a burden isn't it yeah. for a leader to carry that I mean I think there are a number of burdens that we put on leaders I mean one is our image of what a church leader should yeah. be which yeah. seems to be quite archaic in my mm. view but you know in all singing all dancing all things to all people kind of yeah. you know you've got to be often with the Anglican church you've got to not only be a great preacher and a you know spiritual leader and a director mm. but you're really good pastorally and you've got to chair the meetings yeah you've got yeah. to do everything yeah yeah um yeah so so we put these burdens on ministers anyway on leaders but i think that reflect a bit more on that that particular burden of what it's like to be in a place where you your theology has moved mm. and there are bit people in the church who are yeah, yeah. Maybe you're sensing that, but they don't. You know that you know you can't actually be yeah. fully open with. Well, them. and you know that because your your job depends on it. Your housing depends on it. Whether you remain in a in a town in a yeah. city yeah. Uh, is dependent upon it. Because if you know you you come to a theological stance that is different to the sort of main givers in your congregation the richer people yeah. of the congregation you provide the income to pay your salary they decide you've got to go and mm. um, yeah you not you not only lose your job but very often with ministers you you lose your housing as yeah. well i mean yeah. it's a real it's a real crisis yeah. and a crisis not just for you but your 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 partner and your family your kids yes. you know yeah. it's, it's, it's huge and that, you know that that's the stuff that we're just not always honest about it gets wrapped up in this is theological tension hmm. and sometimes it's not a theological tension it's a pragmatic one you know I, I, 
want this to be a happy ship and it seems to me that the voices who are loudest and it's a, there's a strange phenomenon where generally the richer members of the congregation tend to be towards the more conservative end of things and they yeah. tend to be the most confident they tend to be the loudest yes. and you know you you I think lots of church leaders are convinced that within their congregation there is a uniformity against these things that they're personally feeling when actually all they're feeling is what the vast majority of the congregation are also yeah. feeling and and that's a sort of strange phenomena of like what point do you have the courage to go I think that there's enough of a groundswell here yeah. but you make that a wrong decision in that and you're right you lose yeah, you lose you're out on your ear you're out on your ear your housing's involved there's all of that sort of yeah. stuff and that's why conversations I have with church leaders are so fraught it's not particularly that they're in internal turmoil about these things they might have they might want a better biblical basis for an intu intuition that they have about God but fundamentally it's how do I live out a life of authenticity and integrity um, without losing my job yeah. and, and without being who wants to be unpopular you know who wants yeah. to bring on um, there's enough tension in the world already without you bringing your own into a place that's supposed to be about harmony and unity mm. and that kind of I'm the chief holder of harmony and yeah. I, I create that within my congregation but if people knew what was going on inside me I know that it would, spl it would split the congregation and one of the questions I'd want to ask is you know is how true is that really w would it really split the congregation um, it, it, it's going to hack some people off potentially but what good are you doing by not being authentically you? Mm. you know? yeah. But how authentically you can you be? Because I mean, that's mm. not a that's not a situation that's unique to sure. mm. church leaders, is it? All of us face uh, mm. within any organisation we work with, mm. we we face some potential compromises, or you know, we, we can't mm. be truly ourselves. Mm. So so is there a kind of where does it where does that? I'm, I'm interested where that. Where does it become so uncomfortable that you can't deal yeah. with it? Is there, a, is there a point that you were either aware of? For you, Joe, presumably, it was the same-sex relationship thing. Yeah, because, it, because there's, one, there's two things. One is having a nice theological debate together, and it doesn't do any harm, and that can happen safely within mm. the walls of a church. Some people might get hurt if it's done badly. Mm. Uh, some people may feel, oh, well, I'm going to have to find another church if this is what other people in the church feel about, mm. you know, the cross or, or mm. who God is. God is not a being. God's the ground of being or whatever it happens to be about. Um, you know, that's one issue. But when it starts affecting us pastorally, for me, that's a line in the mm. sand. You know, we have to love and embrace people, surely, mm. uh, as Jesus did. So, so when it comes to, well, I'm of this theological opinion, and so you ought not to be here. That, for me, is crossing the line. I, I don't know how it'd be for you, Dave. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And I, I know this is simplistic, but there's nothing wrong, I think, in, in outlining what is the right situation it doesn't necessarily mean mm. it's possible to fully live in that space but mm. we're, we're going through these origin stories as a church in, in in genesis and just the other week i had to preach on this passage that finishes you know they were naked in the garden but felt no shame and you know i just sort of that convicted me around kind of you know just what would it be like to be a leader that can be naked with no shame you know that, that oh don't say that yeah yeah but but that kind of yeah that we all we all want that and i think yeah. we want it in yeah. our leaders that's the irony it's a bit like Brené Brown's vulnerability thing you know it's the quality mm -hmm. that you most look for in other people and the one that you're least least you know wanting to show to other people and I think mm. that in, in leadership, 
people want authentic leaders and there's something about Christian leadership particularly because you get up to stand up and preach that you can come your authenticity is sort of sort of double locked into what what is it that you're preaching what is it you're saying and then people expect that from you um and and how do you know how is your preaching more honest about your own struggles and everything else because surely that is going to bless a congregation that is going through its own struggles rather than the sunday gathering which is to reassure you that everything is going to be all right and and and, you know we just got to believe when you can't believe I, i just think we've got to try and create a culture where leaders can be themselves yes Mm. and in doing so that's the biggest blessing they'll be to their congregation Mm. so there's a couple of things here straight away one is you know there's this thing in churches about a sort of hierarchy of what are the Mm. issues that where you know what are the battles that really have to be Mm. thought about so i want to talk about that in a minute and then the other is about what is our fundamental model of leadership a bit wrong in that sense i mean particularly so the, the outlines you were giving were very uh, from the Baptist non-conformist yeah. world, where the congregation calls the pastor yeah, yeah, yeah. and pays the pastor, yeah. and I've never thought that was a particularly helpful way of doing. It. I don't know better, but the Anglican Church is obviously centrally the. You, you, we don't employ our vicar; he's yeah. in, he's he's in the pay of the Anglican Communion. But but that doesn't mean that these issues aren't real, because no. actually to live in that tension is still a common yeah. experience for a lot of Anglican vicars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, the, but it seems to me that model is really not helpful to start with or some of what we're asking yeah. the leaders to be is not helpful to start with yeah no i mean i i, I completely agree with that and, and how do you break that cycle you know we all know the model of christian leadership you know is to, to, to wash each other's feet you know it is it yes. is in this act of service we all know that theoretically and yet within church leadership you just don't look at or we've we've got a generation that don't look at their church leaders that way and that you know I think whether it's self-denigration or whatever, you know, they're just not enough of that on behalf of the leaders about the honesty of their of their situation that then helps people come down from the pulpit and feel like they're living amongst yeah. the people. Um, and even you know, in this church when I first came here, the 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 manse or the vicarage, you know, it was right out on the edge of Brighton, and I was like, I don't want to live there. And they said, Oh, you know, the problem is, you know, it's it's really tough in the middle of Brighton and. You know, basically, we found previous ministers. They just they just want to be able to get away from all of that. Right. And preparing a sermon, you know, in the chaos of sort of central Brighton, when when actually it, they're they're better off in their four bedroom place up on the up on the you know near the near the downs. That's very even even as I'm talking about that, I think oh yeah, that mm. does sound like a good idea. Same <laughs> um, <laughs> thoughts about it now. Yeah. But there is a kind of image of yeah. you can't prepare the talk in the busyness and the the right. messiness of life in Brighton so you go to your you know uh, place of of you know uh, peace and tranquility um that in itself is kind of you're, you're just not doing anybody any favors because you'll end up talking about things and behaving in ways yeah. that are not connected to the the very place that you're trying to be real and op- open to and, and reach um but yeah the view, view of leadership so other other church leaders who i chat with in brighton you know they they just have a completely different view of their role to me mm. so so when they come and don't understand you know i've had people who come to me and have said you know oh i listened to one of your sermons or something this is other church leaders mm. and you know which i just can't believe that you said that and 
and that messed with my head because the one well, I, what what kinds of things were they sort of yeah saying what they would they pick what, up yeah. well it, I did I did um I did this little series and it was called I might be wrong and on, <laughs> on the on the Great. screen behind me was a Radiohead cover because it's the name of a Radiohead song right. called I might be wrong and I kept that up and even at the beginning of the talk I say that you know. But then I, it was because I wanted to be able to say, under that cover of that, this is actually what I think about healing yeah. and prayer. This is actually what I think about the Bible. And I might be wrong, but this is one opinion amongst amongst many, as opposed to this is the opinion, and I've just come down from the But mountain. that's the thing, isn't it? You're, yeah. You have been, you both, and it amazed mm. me at the time, having known you for so many years, mm. went to theology college, <laughs> you know. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> but you both went through that. So we... You're supposed to be right. You're supposed mm. to know the answers. Now, we, we, we know actually that theology college isn't like that. But somehow when you merge, mm. that's, that's what we sort of expect, isn't it? Mm. You know, in, in fact, you know, my engagement with the theological students is, is that they're, of course they're discussing all the options. And of course they're sort of having these sort of, they're aware of all the nuances and all the differences. But somehow that gets left behind. And why, mm. why does that happen? Then? Why, you know? Why do we expect our leaders to know all the answers? Yeah, I, I mean, if anything, studying theology is, you, you know, understanding things like the hermeneutical kind of process, but applying that to real life, not just the Bible. Mm. You know, how do we read God in my marriage? How do, we, how do I read God in nature? How do we re, how do we how do we uh, mm. make that kind of leap? You know, that, that's that's good theological. I didn't go to a a theological college. You know, I, I studied theology at secular quote-unquote universities oh, yeah. um, and, and I think that was a real blessing you know I never got taught how to preach a sermon I never got taught yeah, how really. to do a funeral or a wedding yeah. just to, you just have to make it up and you go with your instinct and how did you get let into the Baptist <laughs> it's a good question bribe your way in yeah I don't really know but, <laughs> but I find myself here um, and you know uh, uh, that sort of equipping of how to do rather than what is mm. right um was more helpful than the That's kind really of yeah. doctrines yeah. and yeah, 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 yeah. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Another thing for me is, you know, in the sort of Baptist circles, a lot is made about your call and your call to work, to to become a minister, and the ministerial recognition committee. Where you, so it encourages this narrative, which, upon reflection, I'm not sure is particularly helpful. Uh, helpful in some ways perhaps not in other ways but you know so you spin out this narrative that God mm. herself is calling you <laughs> to become a minister yeah. and, and, and sort of it, it feeds this kind of slightly hierarchical thing mm. that you're something somehow a little bit special mm. Mm. Uh, in circles and I think when you add your own ego into that if you haven't done your shadow work and all the rest of it. It, it creates this sort of perfect storm, yes. really, a, a trap of your own making mm. into this role, this role of minister yes. of a church. Yes. And it, it, it's deeply mm. unhealthy. Yeah. And, then, and then when you add in, you know, the complexity of your own motivation yes. to even go there yeah. and to become a minister, you know, what's that really all about? Has God called you? Do you just want people to love you, or do you, yeah, you know, do you yeah. want God's approval because He's God like your dad, yes. who did? You know, there's a lot of layers that sort of mix into mm. this kind of ministerial role. Um, it's very curious, isn't it? Because we were talking about this on the train over. You know, mm. when you read what Jesus said about leadership, 
Yeah. It seems to me we've decided to go exactly the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is do not lead as the Gentiles lead. You know, you become a, if you want to lead, you have to become the least. And 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 why yeah. do you call me father? Which is the one that always gets me. You know, why do you call me father? You don't call anyone yeah. father except God. Mm. And I was thinking. Hang on a minute. With all these priests, then. Yeah. 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 It's like, let's not ever talk about that verse again. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think that the kind of. Uh, I remember working with a, a, a someone who was my boss, who was a very sort of charismatic, high powered sort of leader. And uh, he remember, I remember him saying, he was critiquing me once, and he said, basically, you, you, uh, you don't promise high enough. And I was like, what? You should have promised high, deliver high. That's you know that's part of this organisation's thing, um, which I thought was just an odd sort of non-Christian saying, <laughs> you know. And and so I think I've done it in my own ministry just by, I don't, I, just by instinct really, which is just promise low, you know, just yeah. just uh, if you if under you are, promise yeah. over deliver. Is yeah, what they always yeah. Say, isn't it? Do do your best to, to to be kind and to be compassionate and to be you know to I'm trying my best, you know. Yes. And then, but beyond that, you know, I, I think that ability to go, to constantly, whenever you're giving information out, to to, to sort of not, not not in any false humility way, but in just a kind of I'm offering this as a fellow pilgrim. You know, we are walking together on this yeah. pathway, as opposed to I've been up the mountain. You know, that that's mm. there is just a, a really helpful shift, I think, in headspace that goes. I don't think our, my church could ever accuse me of, oh, you know, you, we we caught you doing something kind of that's disappointing because what I talk about, I talk about <laughs> yeah. the disappointing things. You know? prime them for yeah, basically. Exactly. So that actually, they think I'm pretty good when they meet me because. <laughs> Dave still not as bad as he said he was. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. Basically a tombstone there. Yeah. I mean, uh, how much does personality affect this? Yeah. Because again, I think of leaders, and one of the things we always said, and it's always said that you want in a leader is, you know, charisma. Mm. Mm. And of course, that's with the small C. But we also have the charismatic kind of yeah. uh, side of worship as well. Yeah. Mm. But many, many leaders, it seems to me, are not. That way, they're they're they're, mm. they're introverts. A lot of yeah, them, yeah. you know, and and they're stuck in in this mm. sort of role where they're expected to be more extrovert. Yeah. And how does that feed into the way that they suddenly find themselves in in a different yeah. place, for example, and the difficulties they have explaining that? Yeah, and I think that's the uh, quite a crucial shift that that I've noticed. Really, is that the the kind of charismatic with a with a big C kind of. Uh, worship and behaviour that adds another layer to a potential inauthenticity or if that's the right word but you know where, where people turn up on a Sunday and you feel tired and you just yeah. but you know energy has to be high yes. emotion has it's to be performative. high performative yeah, yeah. you've got yeah. to connect with God what's the point of being in church if this isn't about and the leader has to have the, generate they that. generate that they're the mm. ones with the hands highest in the air you know that kind of model is like a performance piece where the physicality of your spirituality has to be manifest you have to show that uh, there's something going on in the worship thing even if it's it's not connecting and you're not feeling it and i think the thing that's changed is that a lot of leaders who are who i know are going through a different phase of life where they're connecting with god in much more traditionally contemplative ways so I know people who lead very charismatic churches, but their personal spiritual practice is to go away somewhere and yes. to be still yes. and to be quiet. And yeah. in that self-reflection, 
actually the, a lot of change begins to happen because yes. the critique of the charismatic thing is it is noise it is it, there is an aim there it's about momentum and it's about keeping faith going and it's about the mountaintop experience um when the leader doesn't find that helpful themselves which you know i can't stress enough that i i just think it's a great irony that some some of the most charismatic people who i who i know in terms of church leadership have very contemplative personal practices um and there, thereby leads an even greater dissonance. And some of it is about mm. personality. Um, not, you know, not every church leader is a seven or an eight on the enneagram. You know, they mm. they, they want to lead from within, or the, you know, even mm. the word lead brings them out in a bit yeah. of a, a sweat because <laughs> I just mm. want to facilitate. I just want to listen. I just want to um, mm. accompany people, and that's that's perfectly valid forms of leadership and arguably yeah. more effective over yeah. the long term yeah, exactly. forms of leadership but what do you do where your personal spiritual practices then don't match up with the show that you're running yes. running on a sunday and that's a definite sort of sense of dissonance and equally the congregation who are doing the charismatic sort of stuff on the sunday more and more are accessing resources and podcasts and books that are talking about the contemplative life yes um, and it's how do you break out that cycle where the expected show on the Sunday is so different to what you actually know is helping people have a, have a, a more intimate relationship with God. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Thank you. That's really that is good, interesting. Really well it's said. fascinating yeah. because you're right. I mean, the, the growth, of, but, but Joe and I, you know, as you know, sort of did Renovare and, uh, mm. you know, up to our necks and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but, um, <laughs> But it's very much a kind of, it can be very much a silo, a, a personal thing, mm. and you don't bring it into the rest mm. of your life, um, mm. particularly if you're leading a church that's very loud and, and noisy. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. The, we've got a, a new, uh, a relatively new youth worker in the church, and he hasn't done any, he was trained to be an actor, I think, and his background is very different. And we took yeah. a bit of a gamble on him, and we just sort of thought there's something lovely about this guy, and mm. uh, he was, hasn't really been part of church community as such was part of the Coromina community in Northern Ireland um, and the fascinating thing is because nobody told him how to do youth work his instinct was let's do contemplative stuff with these teenagers right. and yeah. our youth work has never been as uh, as vibrant Fantastic. and as interesting it, and, yes. and, and yet you know they're not playing silly games and they're not um, you know it's not about loud worship stuff he he they read a passage of scripture together and he gets them to sit on their own for half an hour and be still <laughs> and then they come back together and say what did what did what did we learn from that you know it just feels so counterintuitive yeah yeah but yeah. that's where he started because he had this sense of life is noisy and messy and distracting for these teenagers it's screen time it's an inability to find attention and if they're going to you know if you're going to grow in god one of the key elements is the ability to contemplate and to look inside and to ask those questions and wow. so you know that that's just mm. such a profound thing yes, for me yes. that is so counter cultural but people are loving it so is that one of the first things that you might suggest you know i'm keen that we mm, ground yeah. this for a lot of leaders is mm. that to bring your you know those kind of contemplative those kind of more yeah. reflective practices a bit more to the fore is that something you've done here or yeah we, we do you know and i think we uh we still get caught i know joe goes on about this doesn't understand you know why a church like ours sings Sing songs on a Sunday morning. Joe doesn't understand what anyone sings. No, no, no. On a I've heard morning. him sing, and I understand why, <laughs> yeah. why nobody should sing songs. But um, you know, uh, and there is this 
thing about well, some people just enjoy it. It's not yes. my. It's not yes. really my job to yeah. to judge that. But equally, we you know when we gather, we will always have moments of stillness and quiet. And regularly, we will do you know within the teaching stuff, people will talk about their practices. Yes. Um, and so it does become kind of earthed. And we're working on a kind of plan for the next couple of years as a church too to take that to a, a, a much more intentional degree to talk about the kind of em embodied spiritual practices mm. and build them into the rhythm of the church rather than having a little teaching series on it um so 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 i think we are bringing that in at the same time as who doesn't love a good sing song you know who doesn't you know or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no i'm being unfairly characterized it what i don't want to do is necessarily necessarily do it every week like i would i would be happy if we like every couple of months Mm. got together for a big old jamboree and a sing song that's mm. not a problem but i just think well hey my my church is 10 people so you know kind of i don't think we have the musical talent to pull it off anyway and i think a lot of churches don't have the musical talent no. to pull it no. off and i just therefore don't particularly enjoy it yeah. that much and even, <laughs> even what we're talking about in terms of the singing again coming back to this let's just be authentic let's yeah. talk let's say that that, that there is something beautiful about hearing other people's voices around yeah, you and is. it making a beautiful sound yeah. and it is an ultimate kind of expression of uh, congregationalism you know at its yes, best yes. that there is a kind of unity in the room because we're singing vaguely the same melody with the same words and there's something beautiful about that we never use a language about this somehow glorifies God you know, uh, 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 that, that might be a sort of radical thing to say mm. but I don't think we ever sort of go you know, God just loves to hear his people say, I hear phrases like that all yes, the time. Yes. I don't I don't think he hates it, but, but <laughs> yeah. I think he, I think he he's going, I'm not bothered either. Like, not you bothered. Know, depends on the singer. But, <laughs> but I genuinely, without yeah. you know, without hyperbole, think think that he takes much more pleasure at the welcoming the stranger that's right. sat yeah. next to you yeah, and making yeah, them feel welcome. Yeah. Um and so you know, again it's just about finding place for these things. And there is something about music and that 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 that, uh, that connects with mm. emotions. Yes, let's call it that, as mm. opposed to isn't it weird when we sing these, you know, Hillsong songs or whatever, you know, when it reaches the crescendo part, that's when the Holy Spirit really seems to come. Let's just call it for what it is. You know, there's a whole load of chemical yeah. reasons and other yeah. reasons yeah. why it feels yeah, good exactly. to do that. Yeah. So you could be singing anything, and and, it, and frequently do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, it is a gift. But it is I, good. I remember. Be leading a, a a weekend, I think it was for a, a, on the, the book I did called Dark Night of Shed. So I was mm. leading a weekend for twenty five or thirty guys who mm. were in varying levels of despair <laughs> at this retreat centre. And the other weekend that was going on was a worship mm. song um, <laughs> thing. And uh, and so there was this kind of big difference between the two groups. But the final on the on the the chapel service it was up at Scarborough on the chapel yeah. service mm. on the final day where you know I did the preach and we, we talked about it. what they did this other group was they just circled us they, they mm. lined up all around the chapel mm. and they just sang this most beautiful song mm. Mm. and it was like giving a gift to, mm. to all these people and we were all kind of in floods of tears and mm. you know yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. wonderful mm. so I think you know I, I totally agree it's it recognised the sort of physiological and the emotional and, and that's fine 
that's part of being human, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. There's nothing shameful about that, but no. we think unless we can label no, it, the spirit going. Exactly, yeah. we've talked yeah. about it. Um, and, and I think the spirit is active at a rock concert yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. It's, it's not that... It's not that the, the, the worship that takes place in the church actually is just secular reasons for yeah. that. And is it? No, no. They are deeply profound yeah. spiritual experiences you're having in church and deeply yeah. profound experience, yeah. spiritual yes. experiences you have going yeah. to see your favourite yeah. band yeah. perform. Yeah, I, I completely get it. I think, I think coming back to our, the kind of original point of this was, you, you know, how, how do churches offer light and shade? You know, how do, how do they offer mm. different experiences? Because for the leader that tends to mirror more where where where, yeah. you, where you are so i think if you're going to shape that church or shape that community how do you how do you yeah. offer more than one way on onto a yeah. understanding god and that begins to open up ways for where you can where where a church, if you only have one style and basically inside you're going this doesn't really work for me personally I, you know i could do mm. without this every sunday then that is a that is a lack of authenticity. I think the ability yeah. to just open some doorways to people to go, you know, this is where I'm at. This is where, you know, I, I you know, I'm not tolerating this thing, but I love it because I love seeing other people enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. But if this isn't connecting for you, there are other ways. And so that's the beginning of breaking out of the kind of pattern of doing stuff that you don't find helpful for mm. you personally. Share what you do find helpful, and mm. and live that out. Rather than that's a that's my private kind yeah. of. And can practice. we enable that both ways? Because mm. obviously that's not just a leader thing, is it? Exactly. A, yeah. You know, we all probably tend to lead services or get together either in the style that we like mm. or in the style we think is expected of us, yeah. um, and some kind of compromise between the two. Yeah. But perhaps is there a better way to be listening to our congregations? Yeah about what they would like as well and how do we enable that yeah. have you got experience with that I mean in some churches they'll do different services and you know different kinds of things yeah 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 we we, we do do that and we we have these be still and know things in on the evening where you, you you're giving people a heads up there's not going to be anything this is this is for reflection and contemplation yes. and people enjoy that and like it but but I think that the kind of multi-voice church you know we're just a long way from that where you you, you use the phrase about that, that kind of un, understanding and listening to your community. Yes, that is a very priestly activity. You know, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's a very profound thing that says we're going to do some stuff or I'm going to enable some stuff because these people find it really helpful. Yes, rather than often, often you know, what what do I find helpful or what what have I got the energy to to facilitate that kind of freeing of going. We are going to do some, particularly in churches that have any. Uh, you know, non-white, different cultural expressions. The ability to go, you know, how does that how does that mm. live itself? How do I give that air? How do mm. how do we yeah. how are we challenged by that? And most people find that really thrilling. It's not how we're going to change our style. It's about um, allowing these little expressions and yes. seeing what catches. Um, and, and that feels a much more. But authentic it's way. almost like going back to sort of what are the first principles? Mm. You know, I think I think with Soul Place we're so small we can't do the things that you know your size church would do but if everyone said they wanted to sing we'd sing regardless of whether I enjoyed it and I, I really enjoy being with those people they're yeah. my you know they're my brothers and sisters mm. we, we're, we're learning to love each other with all our foibles and yeah. strange ways and accept one another and challenge one another and, and, and all those kind of things I like being with them mm. 
So it, it doesn't, the first principle is that, that's the first principle. Yeah, yeah. We're together, we're, we're the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, we haven't sung for a while, do you want to sing? Yeah, sure, well, you know, sing then. Let's, yeah, let, let, yeah. let's do it and let's enter into it. I suppose I'm traumatised from experiences I've had in church where the song was stopped because we weren't smiling enough. Right. Yeah, oh, it's like, it's like, really? it was like the worship leader was the total control master. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, that this wasn't being done right and this mm. therefore wasn't glorifying God because you hadn't notified your face that you're really happy Jesus <laughs> saved you. So, you, you know, even though like yeah. you might have just been diagnosed with cancer or so, that's not the point. You know, yeah. the point is you should be happy Jesus saved you. So, you know, those, those experiences have slightly shaped yes. some of my more extreme opinions. But I never want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, mm. like you say, it's about being authentic. Mm. And I think what I like about you, Dave, and your church, there is a much, I, I sense a much deeper connection with with your congregation, the people around you. You mm. you seem to be part of the congregation rather than just the leader of the congregation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and, I, and I, I feel that. I don't often know why, you know, or, or, yeah. or even the mechanism how, but I just had three months of article. And it, oh, uh, yeah, I wrote to so the whole time, <laughs> but yeah. that, that the, it's the first time in 27 years of your church leadership of doing that. And I mourned that I wasn't part of my community. You right. know, I, there, there was no sense of kind of, oh, God, you, I need to be away from yeah, people yeah. for three months. It was like, this is really weird. I'm chopping off my arms here, you know, like the very <laughs> things that I, that give me life and yeah, energy being around yeah. these people. And, and it's that. It's that, um, you know, the, the personification of having your house outside of the city, you know, because that's mm. the best way. You know, it, it's like doing life right in amongst where we're sitting here now. I genuinely, one of the most energising things that I do regularly from this office when I'm feeling blur is I go and walk the, the lanes of, of Brighton. They're always rammed with people. The life there, the energy. Mm. You know, half an hour later, I'm ready to do my job again because mm. you go, this is what this is about. This is... You know, there's just brilliant, beautiful things happening all the time. Culturally, it's interesting. There's music. Yeah. There's, you know, the, the noise is, is the life and the energy of it. And that's re-energising as opposed to, uh, but, but equally, my own personal spiritual practice to go to the, to the woods on the South, South Downs. And, you know, and, and I, those two tensions, really, about mm. living within the heart of the community that I'm trying to mm. do my best to, to serve and, and, and bring a better version of Brighton about. Um, but knowing that personally... Uh, I have to feed my own soul, and it's how do you express both of those things to the church yeah. community, you know, and encourage mm. them to live in that kind of space, um, is the, is the trick of leadership, and and again part of the point mm. of this podcast really is to say to those leaders that are feeling browbeaten and feeling like there is dissonance there, that isn't going to go away until you find ways to express your authenticity, mm. and 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 desperately would love to see people do that i've seen people i've seen church leaders who have left church ministry because their fear of coming out of what they really feel drove them to a better not i better just leave mm. and the the fascinating thing is once they leave it's almost like everything falls apart you know that because they they then are angry at the church they're disappointed they couldn't be more authentic yeah. and they, you know yeah. and actually they're kind of towards a yeah. kind of classical liberalism as opposed to just you know the sort of whiffliness of people like you two yeah. um, you know, they, they, they really do throw everything away because yeah. they haven't learned yeah. you know that, that, that doing it within situ and working out your fears and your doubts from the front 
is just such an important thing. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned the Brian McLaren book on Stages of Faith, which he came on the podcast and talked about, Mm -hmm. and and, and you were talking, weren't we, about that that bit at the beginning where he he went to his church leaders to offer Mm. his sort of resignation. He's having deep questions about faith. He didn't Mm. feel he could drag the church through this. He wanted to do the honourable thing. Mm. And and the story he tells in the book is that the church leaders said, no, no, don't please don't go do the journey with us take us with you mm. into your doubts yeah. into your i mean that's an extraordinary yeah. i find that almost unbelievable yes yeah, you do wonder <laughs> but, but it's I'm... probably because he was a best-selling author yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're yeah. bringing a lot of money yeah. To yeah. 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 stop now. <laughs> but, but the sentiment is absolutely right the yeah. richness of watching somebody yeah. even when the, even when these leaders have these Falls from grace, whatever the sort of stupid phrase, but you know, these falls from grace, the richness, the potential to go, what does restoration look like yes. as yes. we do it alongside yeah. you? Yeah. That's, you know, like even when David writes his psalm after, the, after his, you know, his terrible behavior, there's something really beautiful about the confidence with which he writes that psalm, where he says, you know, cleanse me. Um, you know, it, it, there isn't mm. any kind of just this beautiful, I'm not going to give up my leadership. Uh, but I've, I know you've forgiven me. Like yes. Boris. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, listen, that's been great. Um, we've talked a lot about authenticity, the need to express authenticity, the need mm. to have yeah. space within uh, you know, churches for different styles and all this kind of stuff. Mm. We haven't actually talked about really dealing with conflict. Yeah. And I think we will get on and do that in the next podcast. Okay, let's do it. Thank you. So there we are. That was um, Dave Steele being interviewed by, uh, well, really two leaders, Dave Steele and, and Joe David. The enormously successful. The enormously <laughs> <agreed Church on. laughs> um Being interviewed by me. And uh, that's, that's basically part one. Yeah. And if, if, if anything has resonated with you from that and you'd like to get in touch, um, please do send an email. For those of you that don't know, the email address is joe, J-O-E, at midfaithcrisis.org and we would love to hear from you especially if you're a church leader yeah. so that was part one um, to go with that we have the imaginatively titled part two mm, brilliant. which we will be <laughs> issuing in the fullness of time when the seasons are ripe or next week yeah that okay <laughs>